Hello and welcome to Brews Crew, a podcast about brewers primarily. We also talk a little bit about beer and baseball in general. My name is Ryan Liebherr. I am the host of this podcast. I wanted to do a little preview episode before I put out any any major content. So what you're going to hear from me right now uh, in this episode is I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you're going to hear when you uh, listen to a normal episode. And I'm also going to talk about why I decided to start doing this. So let's, let's just start with that. Um, so my Brewers fandom goes back before I can remember. I'm only 24, but I've been going to Brewer games with my dad at Miller Park uh, since the early 2000s. I would say, though, that I was a casual fan for most of my life. It wasn't until 2017, specifically the 2017 World Series, actually, not involving the Brewers whatsoever. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it a number of times uh, over the winter. And that series, that series was what made me decide that I love baseball with a passion. And I want to follow it more and more and learn more about it. And now... Two years later, I feel like I have this minor obsession and I need an outlet to uh, talk about it. And so that's why that's why I wanted to do this podcast. And I think that now gets us to the question, what can you expect when you see that there's a new episode of Bruce Crew in your podcast app if you follow me? Now, the first thing I want to make clear is this is not a game recap podcast. If you want to follow the games more closely, uh, this is not the podcast for you. There are plenty of other sources where you can find game recap info that will be better than what I can provide. So we'll talk about the state of competitiveness of the Brewers in the NL Central, the NL in general, and in all of baseball major news on the team, whether that be transactions, maybe personality things, uh, if those things come to my attention. Uh, I'm not a big minor league guy, but we will probably touch on the health of the farm, the state of some of our major minor league players, who's coming up soon, who's not coming up soon. As for the general baseball part of this show, we'll probably talk about, uh, specifically in the offseason, other transactions, Uh, you know, free agent signings, major trades, things that shake the league up in a way that uh, it is kind of impossible for us to ignore, even as uh, specifically an NL Central team. And we'll also touch on major performances over the season, probably. Uh, If I don't mention Trout at least once every other month, I'm probably doing something wrong just because, man, that guy is, he's amazing. And then the, uh, the last thing that this podcast will be about is every episode I will crack open a cold one, and unfortunately I'm the only boy, so it's not with the boys, but I will crack open a craft cold one, talk about the brewery a little bit, talk about what I think about the beer. And the reason that we're going to be doing that as well is to give this podcast a little more flavor, a little more something other than just baseball, and because I do enjoy a good beer every now and again. And who doesn't? 
It's Wisconsin. This preview has taken a lot less time than I thought it would take. Uh, I don't know why, but I expected it to be uh, quite a bit longer. But because it isn't, I think we're going to... I'm going to talk about some of the things that I was already planning for the first full episode, and we'll call this, instead of episode zero, like episode half. So with that said, let's start talking about the offseason. So we came off a pretty great year. Brewers, I know our expectations were really high. 2018 ended at Game 7 of the NLCS just a couple of runs and a couple of better outs away from a World Series appearance, our first since 1982. And all of the hype was maxed out at the start of 2019. Uh, Fox Sports ads had players saying, all we want to do is bring a championship to this city. So in that regard, a wild card exit. We didn't even win the division. Sounds very disappointing. But we were running, a, we, we put a lot of pressure on some young players, some guys that we didn't even know if we could trust for more than three innings at a time on the mound. And that's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure for some really young guys. So the fact that we got a pretty amazing pitcher out of Woodruff, a quality bullpen piece in Freddie Peralta. He's not, he doesn't look cut out for the rotation anymore. And Corbin Burns is, he had a bad year. He had a really bad year. Honestly, I'm hoping that he can improve from that. I think, I think there's still a spot for him on a major league team. Maybe not, the 2020 Brewers, maybe the 2021 Brewers, maybe some other team, but I still think that he has major league talent. He has the major league stuff. So those were big question marks, and we didn't know what to expect from that. And yet our lineup top to bottom, we had high expectations, but obviously Shaw had a bad year. Aguilar did not perform like he did in the first half of 2018 and looked more like the second half of 2018, which wasn't great. Arcia is still an offensive question, but uh, a solid defender at shortstop. And then obviously our, our additions of Grandal and Moose were huge. So long story short, all I'm trying to say is we had high expectations. We expected more but some of the the year-to-year luck and changes, they did not go in our favor. I think that a lot of the those things that I said uh, turned out more to hurt us than to help us. So the fact that we still got into the postseason, we played a really good Nationals team that ended up winning the World Series. I think that it's still a win. I, I, it's our it's a back-to-back year of postseason appearance for the Brewers, which hasn't happened in a long time. And I think 
I think right now my expectations for 2020 for the Brewers are higher than they were in 2019. I think this is a year that we need to capitalize. And I think David Stearns knows this too. There's been a number of moves already made. Moments after the World Series ended, Stearns, I think, started getting to work. He's freed up a lot of cap space. Like with the trade of Chase Anderson to the Blue Jays, there was an option that he had attached to his contract. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I know that it was closer to $10 million than it was to $5 million. And we cleared that out, and we got minor league depth at first base, which right now is also a question mark, because Thames' $7.5 million option was declined. So we're paying him $1 million as a buyout, saying thank you for your service, have fun in free agency. Uh, and that's that was a bit disappointing. He was a big... He was a big part of our 2019. So seeing him walk is not easy. It's not going to be a a simple fix. And honestly, I think we could probably, if his market crashes this off season, which might not happen, he, he, he might get paid. He's got elite. He's got really good walk rates. He's got a ton of power. He's got good bat skills there's a good chance he'll be playing for an NLB team at a good price for a couple of years. A good price for him, I should say, not for a front office. So that's another large chunk of change gone from our roster. And then obviously there is Moose and Grandal declining their portions of mutual options, which we all knew to expect they all uh, both of them took both of them are looking for long-term deals and we did not offer that to them and they're also looking for high cost deals they took a a risk specific specifically grandall he turned down a, a four-year deal with the mets i believe in 2018 to come play for one year earning more money than he did more money than he would have with the Mets. But we both, we both, everybody was expecting Grandal and Moose to decline their options to try to get another long-term deal in place because they are quality players that deserve a quality contract. Now, the other option that was, uh, that needed a decision was Manny Pena, and I actually really love, I really love the Brewers' decision to pick up that option. Um, and here's why: he is a quality defender. He has a really amazing throwing arm, <clears throat> and his bat, while is it's not, it's not amazing. It's not elite. It's not, <clears throat> it's not somebody I would trust in high leverage situations. But it is, it is pretty good. Um, looking at his slash lines from this last year, his average was down, but his on-base percentage was up. So his, he, he hit 228. His OBP was 313. His slugging was 411. And he, he hit seven home runs in 
158 plate appearances. It's not crazy, but we know that he has, he does have some power in his bat. So I really, and it's, it's cheap. It's super cheap. He's, he's not even going to earn 2 million. Uh, so I think the Brewers have a quality player at catcher that we, we can trust day to day. An improvement would be nice. But I think at the end of the day, if he is our if he is our number one catcher, I think we are in a okay place. The thing that worries me though is third base, first base, and our pitching staff. I'm not worried about Arcia. I think we can live with his bat to keep his defense. I'm probably going to take some flack for that. I think there's a lot of Brewers fans right now that think that we need to find an upgrade for Arcia at shortstop. And I don't know if that's true. And the reason I'm talking about all this money, though, is because of those holes, because of those places that we need to fill. And with arbitration still to come, we still have um, contracts to... Stearns likes to offer one-year contracts in replacement of going to arbitration with players that are arbitration eligible. Wow, that's a hard phrase to say. Instead of going to court to argue about money with these players, the Brewers front office historically has liked to offer one-year contracts at around roughly their arbitration estimate, what um, people are expecting them to make in court. So before using only the arbitration estimates, not even the, the, uh, the final numbers, we only have $90 million locked up in contracts right now. And our payroll for this last year was 128.6 million. So the reason I bring that up is because I think Stern's is actively trying to open up money on players by by removing the Thames, uh, Chase Anderson, um, by losing Grandal and Moustakis. I think that he is preparing to make a move. I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping so hard that it is not um, for one player. If we even if we get Cole, I think that there's still a lot of question marks in this pitching staff. I think we still have to figure out what the rotation looks like, what the outgetters are, as Council uh, likes to call them all the time. So I don't think a big splash is the correct choice. But I do think that a couple of splashes that would add up to, I think we can... I'm, I was, this is so this is so important. We need to make some moves this offseason. We cannot stand Pat. And if we stand Pat, we're going to watch the Cardinals win the division again. We are in we've got Yelich playing out of his mind right now. 
He ended the season with a 1.1 OPS. That is ridiculous. And we cannot waste his talent. Brandon Woodruff, who just showed us that he can be a legitimate ace to a staff. We cannot waste his talent. Josh Hader is hitting arbitration this year. So in a couple of years, we're either going to have to lock him up long term or we're going to have to watch him walk. And I know that he was not the same pitcher that he was in 2018 this year, but he is still an elite reliever. He won He won the NL reliever of the year. We need to make a move. Otherwise, this team will watch our competitors go past us. So let's ask the question, what are the players that we should be going after this offseason? But before we start looking at those players, uh, I will mention the beer that I will drink for this episode. Uh, it is comes from Untitled Art Brewing Company. It's called Cloudy IPA. The brewing company is out of Madison, Wisconsin. And let's get that, let's get that beautiful can. I've heard really great things about this brewery, and I'm really excited to uh, be drinking some of their beer. And I'll be drinking it as uh, we do the show. And I'll give my thoughts on it later. So, players that I would love to see the Brewers go after. I think, like I said, our our first priority should be pitching. I think, particularly starting pitching, I think we're we're looking thin. We don't have the depth, especially with some of the um, some of the performances of Peralta and Burns specifically. So of the pitchers that are available this offseason, there's a lot of high-end talent. And I would I would love if we could get a one-two punch in Woodruff and somebody else, but I don't know if that happens. Just because of our free agent past, I guess you could say. I think a guy that I would love to see is a guy that was rumored during the trade deadline in Madison Baumgartner. I think he could make a really great addition to this club, and he would bring a ton of postseason experience. He's got a solid bat, and he can pitch. He was no joke in San Francisco this year, even though it wasn't one of their best seasons. They made a a brief run at the wild card and then slowly faded out again. But he was a big reason that they were a respectable team this year. And so adding a guy like Baumgartner to this rotation would be phenomenal. There are a couple of older guys that we could see come in. I think, th- I think one of the most interesting things about Baumgartner, though, is that he's only 30. 
He's only 30 years old. Strasburg is 31. Zach Wheeler, another big name on the free agent market. He's 30. Ordorizzi, same thing. Another big name on the market who, uh, who received a qualifying offer from the Twins. He's 30. Hyunjun Ryu is 33. I think people forget how young Baumgartner really is since he's been so good for so long and has been with the Giants for such a long time. He's only 30. There are some interesting veteran pitchers on the market that I think we could see come to Milwaukee. Two in-division rival pitchers, Cole Hamels and Adam Wainwright, actually could be interesting ads for the Brewers. And I will also say that Wade Miley is a free agent again after a one-year deal with the Astros where he looked phenomenal for five months. And then September happened, and we won't go into those details because they're ugly. So there's there's quality pitching to be had. There's also some young pitchers, some guys that I'm not super familiar with. Uh, Michael Pineda, he's only 30 and coming off a good year. Kyle Gibson, he pitched with the Twins this last year. He's only 32. I guess if I'm David Stearns, if I'm a member of this front office, I want to know what pitcher I can get at what price and for how long. And I will be looking into each and every one of the top guys, maybe not Cole, maybe not Strasburg, because they're going to be demanding a lot of money and a lot of time. But a lot of the other names on the free agent market, I'm going to be interested in who wants to play for Milwaukee, how long will he want to play for Milwaukee, and what kind of money is he going to ask from us. And I think any sort of any sort of quality arms that we can add to this team is just going to increase our depth and make us a better team in the long run. With free agent bats that we should go after, there are two two spots that I wor- that I'm worried about that I mentioned earlier. I'm worried about first base and I'm worried about third base. I think catcher Pena is good enough that we don't need to be freaking out. We don't need to be worrying. I think Manny Pena is good enough to hold catcher down on his own. And we've got Jacob Nottingham at triple a, I think at worst, he will be a decent backup. Somebody who is, who can hit the ball and who can play decent, if not amazing, defense at catcher. So I'm not worried about catcher. Shortstop, I can live with Arcia's bat as long as he tells me that he's going to continue working on it. He's not an amazing hitter by any means, but he knows what he's doing at the plate. Maybe we try to work on his patience, his command of the strike zone. But I think he is a major league player. So I'm not worried about Arcia.
And then at second base, obviously we have Hira, who should be playing in a full year this year. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see what he can do over full 162 games. And left to right in the outfield, Braun, Kane, and Yelich, all quality guys. I'm not as excited about Braun coming back. I think that he is pretty well past his prime, but he has proved to be a contributor offensively and defensively defensively for this team. So that leaves first and third base. And I think one thing that they may be talking about doing with Braun is playing him at first. If spring training started tomorrow, we'd be looking at having Braun play first base every day and have Trent Grisham and Ben Gamble play as our third outfielders. I don't think I'm opposed to that, but I think I would rather see Braun play first against righties and maybe play left field against lefties, which means we will still need a first baseman because we don't have one of those right now. So looking at the players that will be available this offseason to play first base, I think one of the guys that I am most interested in maybe would be Jose Abreu. And I think the biggest downside right now is that there's a qualifying offer attached to his name. And signing him would mean losing a draft pick. But the Brewers have shown in the past that they're willing to forego high high quality defense with the you know moving Thames sorry not Thames with moving Shaw and Mustakis to second base while we waited for Hira they're willing to forego elite defense as long as they can get quality bats and that is the kind of player that I think Jose Abreu is he's a guy that would bring a lot of pop with his bat he would be another dangerous threat in our lineup and he's serviceable at first base that I would have no problem seeing him there every day. I think Jose Abreu would be amazing to play at first base, but I am not sure what kind of money he's going to be asking for, especially since he's got a qualifying offer from the White Sox. Now, other than that, first base is actually, it's a little thin. It's a lot of older players that are past their peak athleticism. They may have some good years of quality bat left, but other than that, we're looking at bringing back Eric Thames, maybe Justin Smoke, Ryan Zimmerman. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not great. So first base is a big question, and maybe that's where the trade of Chase Anderson comes comes into play. We, what's the what's the name of the guy we received? So the player that we received from the Blue Jays in the trade for Chase Anderson was Chad Spangenberger. It's not Corey Spangenberger, just to clarify that. And he looks like he could be a decent bat at first base. He only. He only played in double A last year, and he was not was not great by any means. 
but he's still young. So there's time to see his bat develop. And maybe, maybe that's a couple of years down the line. That might not be a, a now thing. So let's look at third base then. I think third base has some better talent, but there's a lot less just because of the the skills needed to play third base. There's a lot less talent. And maybe we see Shaw has a resurgence. Like he played well in AAA, but then again, every player played well in AAA this year. So if we could see Shaw come back, I think that would be the ideal situation. But right now we have to operate under the assumption that what we saw from Shaw was what Shaw is right now. That's so horrible to say. He was such a good player. He was so good for us. But now, now we have to assume that he's going to be around the Mendoza line and batting average and not somebody you want to rely on when this game is on the line. So with that in mind, who do we go after at third base? And it's it's not easy because Rendon is out there and Rendon is going to demand the most attention. He's going to demand the most money. Josh Donaldson is also available, but he just came off a phenomenal season with the Braves. Both of those guys have qualifying offers attached to their name. So if they reject them, we give up a draft pick if we sign them. But I think they're going to be out of our price range, unless that is the only move we make or unless our pockets got deeper without any major kind of notice whatsoever. After that, we see Moose. And man, I would love to see Moose back in a Brewer uniform. He just looks so good in a Brewer uniform. And then after that, there's another drop-off. We see guys like uh, when you sort the third base free agents by war as Drupal Cabrera is the next guy then Todd Frazier both of whom are 34 starting to hit a decline all right so I was reading a little bit more of this beer can and I failed to realize that Untitled Art is a collaboration brewery so this is actually from Untitled Art and 608 Brewing Company I'm really excited to talk about this in a little bit, uh, but I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet. We'll get there later. But going back to third base, I think your big question is there. Who is going to play third base for the Brewers in 2020? I think an option, a not particularly good-looking option, is uh, Lucas Ersig, who's a guy in AAA. He's been uh, a player that feel like has been talked about a number of times. But he still hasn't been seen at the big league level yet. He was not particularly great in 2019 at AAA. If your major league options are Ersig and Shaw, which I think is fine. Track record for Shaw is still good. Ersig is young, and he could prove himself. I, I just don't know how comfortable I feel with 
giving him major time at third base this year. But if that's what the front office decides, then that is okay. But then they need to upgrade at short or catcher. This is a team that wins by scoring runs, particularly on the home run. And I think if you have more than two guys in a lineup, in in this Brewers lineup, that are below average hitters, then there is going to be a problem because we need to get a lead and get it to the back end of our bullpen. That is that is the recipe for winning with this team, the, the simplified recipe for winning with this team. So I think the priority for Brewers, starting pitching, get us a guy that you trust pitching next to Woodruff. And I guess I, I didn't talk about Zach Davies. I think Zach Davies had a phenomenal season, but I don't know if it's repeatable. I don't think he is the guy you want pitching before or after Woodruff in a rotation unless he's pitching out of the third spot. If we look at the Astros and the Nationals, they're the World Series matchups. It was elite starting pitcher versus elite starting pitcher for three games. Astros with Verlander, Cole, and Granke. And Nationals with Strasburg, Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin. Those are three guys that are phenomenal at what they do. I don't think I don't think Zach Davies is anywhere near that level. I think Brandon Woodruff could be. I think if we see success from him again, I think that he's a guy that we we can trust completely to be the head of this pitching staff. But I think if we want to continue to be competitive, we need to add a starting pitcher that we can trust for six innings at a time every five games to give this bullpen that at the end of every season is taxed and tired a break. This is part of the reason why Josh Hader was not as great in the postseason this year is because we pitched him to death. I shouldn't say we pitched him to death, but we pitched him in really high leverage situations throughout the year. And you can throw his year pitch count at me. You can throw his inning innings pitched at me because they're similar. They're similar numbers to what they were in 2018 and 2019. The difference is in 2018, we had Jeffress who was pitching out of his mind and Knable. In 2019, we did not have either of those players. We had Jeffress, but he was nowhere near what he was in 2018. Hader was the back of the bullpen. He was it. And if you don't think that that did not add additional strain to him, then I don't know what to tell you because there's no way that that was not more stressful to him, that that did not add more wear onto his arm, onto his mentality as a pitcher. So to add another starting pitcher that can go through most of the game, 
without wearing down our other bullpen options. That is our priority. After that, it should be third baseman. You can always find decent hitting, decent fielding first baseman. It is not a particularly difficult position to defend. And so all you need is a decent or better bat. I mean, look at what Tyler Austin did for us in 17 games, 20 games, whatever it was. He was not amazing, but he was serviceable, and he did his job that we asked him to do. So first baseman, we can find a guy. I'm not worried about that. It is a question mark at the major league level. And if we don't add a a good bat, then I think that we're in danger. But it's not hard to find a good bat at first base. Ryan Zimmerman, one of the names I threw up before, he's not particularly amazing. There's There's nothing that you would say is phenomenal about him. But he is a solid first baseman. That's the difference. At third base, it is not the same. You cannot look at a guy who is mediocre and say he's solid. Because third base has a lot more of importance than first base. Anyway, I'm dragging this out. Pitching third base, first base. I think... I think if we get to spring training and we look at the roster and we say, and we don't say that we think that this is a World Series caliber team, then I think, I think that this offseason will have been, I don't want to say failure because we're in a good spot, but if we don't come out of it looking like a team that can compete with the best of them, then I think we did something wrong this offseason. And maybe that's my high hopes speaking. But this team is good. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do. And so with that, let's talk about this cloudy IPA from Untitled Art and 608 Brewing that I have been drinking through this episode. And I want to say that I've, I've really enjoyed this beer. This is a really, it's a really good IPA. It's not, it's not a beer that the hops are the only thing that are, that you taste. There's, there's a lot more depth to this than just hops, which is phenomenal for IPAs. We're at a point right now where every brewery, is trying to make an IPA flagship. And I think because of that, we get IPAs that are hoppy, but don't offer anything else. And I think that that is a disservice to people that like IPAs because they're going to see IPAs from breweries around the breweries that they know, and they're going to try them and say, you know, this is not particularly amazing. And I will say I am one of those IPA guys. I do really enjoy a good IPA. And this this is a good one. 
if I see it again, I'm the kind of person that will, uh, I like to try a lot of different beers. I will, I won't often drink a beer more than once, but this cloudy IPA from Untitled Art and 608 Brewing, I will happily, happily drink again because it's been that good. And so with that, I think we're going to end this episode. There are a lot of other things that have happened so far in this offseason. I'm currently recording after a number of awards have already been announced, but I don't think I want to touch on that just yet. I'm going to wait until all of the awards are announced, and hopefully I'll have some amazing news. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. So as we get to the end of this episode, first and foremost, I want to thank you for listening to this. This is Uh, my first ever recording of a podcast. So the fact that you made it to the end means a lot to me. This is something that I've been thinking about doing through quite a bit of the season, actually, but I never worked up the nerve to do it until recently. And so the fact that you've made it through and listened to the end proves to me that this is something that is worthwhile for me to do. If you've enjoyed listening to me talk about brewers, then give me a rating. Follow me. We'll be doing more stuff like this. And I look forward to doing that and having you here and give me feedback. Speaking of feedback, if you would like to chime in, I would love to answer questions, talk about opinions that people give to me, um, and any criticisms that you have about the podcast itself, I will openly hear. And there are a couple of ways that you can reach me. I do have a Twitter account, and that is at BrewsCrewPod. I also have an email account by the same tag. It is BrewsCrewPod, but at gmail.com. So if you have any any major questions, any opinions you want to throw at me, if you think I was wildly wrong about something, I'd love to hear about it, and I'd love to talk about it in the next episode. And so with that, we have reached the end of this episode. So go Brewers and on Wisconsin.